This is a special world report with a friend of Mejigoria. January 25th, 1993. Discern the signs of the time. Do you think I say this too many times? I like to said many times. Tonight, we're going to talk about something global. This broadcast tonight will have three different segments to help you discern the times at this moment. We all can recognize about our economy, the direction the war is going to. The first segment is an update where we are right now. This clip is from Hannity. He gives report of the signs of the time. Americans now are emptying out their emergency funds of Fox Business Report. Uh, nearly half of U.S. adults have either less or no emergency savings compared to a year ago. Only 26% say they have more emergency savings this year. 25% say their level of savings is about the same. People are suffering. The Fed now is doubling down on their inflation fight, uh, which is, you know, more trouble for people. It's going to hurt the housing market even further. Uh, now the debt limit, which they thought would be in some point in July, maybe in June. Uh, that's what they're saying. You have federal officials now signaling more rate hikes amid sticky inflation. You sticky. I mean, that's all we've had under Biden. Uh, a Texas teen teenagers have raised one hundred and sixty thousand dollars for an elderly janitor who was forced to unretire because he couldn't afford his rent. That was a cool story, but sad. Morgan Stanley is warning the stock market has entered the death zone. U.S. stocks now have climbed to unsustainable highs and face imminent losses once investors realize there'll be no Federal Reserve pivot later this year. Michael Wilson, the chief U.S. equity strategist of Morgan Stanley, longtime Wall Street bear, warning in an analyst note this week that the stock market has entered a level known as the death zone. Well, that gives me a lot of confidence. Walmart has a, quote, lot of trepidation about the economy. Consumers are feeling very pressured, so people aren't even spending at Walmart. Um, none of this is good news. And uh, I don't know. How do you feel about $50 trillion in debt? If, if you look at the numbers, I got this from Steve Moore. You know, if we look at the actual number in terms of debt, the numbers are far worse if you look at the latest projections from the CBO through 2033. That's 10 years from now. And those numbers tell us two things. First, the debt is going to hit a level of $50 trillion by 2023. Second, by extrapolating the Trump baseline through 2033, we find the debt will be nearly $10 trillion higher than it would have been if we simply stuck with the Trump budget economic policies. Lawrence Summers, who has not been wrong this entire time about inflation and the state of the economy, uh, is quoted as saying in Fox Business, and he said, when your brakes don't get much traction, two things happen. You could be moving too fast. That's the inflation pressure. And you could be setting yourself up with the kind of collision or course uh, crash course down the road. He said, both things I think are very real risks in this environment. In the span of just a year, the Fed has voted to raise their benchmark interest rate from zero to a range of 4.5% to 4.75%. And now they're talking about it going to 6%, if not maybe even a little higher. I mean, Biden is claiming his economic plan is fiscally responsible, but the CBO numbers proved just the opposite. Their latest review, which factors in recent laws, executive actions, economic trends, other developments showing the nation is on a glide path towards a major fiscal crisis, if not outright bankruptcy. Publicly held debt already at $24 trillion is set to double to $46 trillion. It's really 31 but why be precise? 
Now, that's a record 118% of the nation's entire annual economic output, uh, warning the Committee for Responsible Federal Budget, and it'll hit 130% of programs officially set to expire, get extended, as the Democrats will push to do. Yearly deficits recently deemed alarming if they approach 500 billion are now running at 1.4 trillion and will more than double again within 10 years. This, this, this is an apocalypse. I, I mean, how do you convince people that the country is headed down the tubes? You know, how do you do it? Never mind. I haven't even talked about Russia and China now creating their unholy alliance, their new axis of evil. You can include North Korea and Iran as part of all of this. You know, all of that is happening. You know, Joe Biden is assuring everybody uh, that Vladimir Putin will never use a tactical nuke while he's threatening to use it. What part of his threat are you not believing? Our Lady said July 2nd, 2019. I have given you and will give you evident signs. You just heard about a lot of signs where everything's going. Contemplate that. This is reality. This is not opinion. This is in concrete. I have given you and will give you evident signs. Let's say you make $50,000 a year and you borrow, use credit cards, you go to a debt of $100,000, then $200,000, and all the way to $500,000. Can you pay that back, making only $50,000? Ask yourself, how in the world are we going to pay $50 trillion back? How do we get in debt like that? It's not a credit card. The feds prints dollars. bills. It's paper. A couple, three years ago, Japan was in trouble, and we gave them billions of dollars. How did they do it? With silver? With gold? No, they printed it. How do we give the Ukraine billions of dollars? They print it. It's easy math to realize We are done. There's no way to get out of it except by everything crashing. When Walmart is concerned about what's happening, that people aren't buying like they used to, it's a truth. It's an evident sign. The economic system is evil. It does not glorify God. It's going to go away, and it is going away, right in front of your face. We all know that God said after the flood, he would never flood the world again. And his promise was, the sign was a rainbow. It's been hijacked, but it's still God's promise that he would never flood the world again to kill the whole population of the world. But God's going to do it another way. When man becomes wicked, so wicked like they did before the flood, or even like Sodom, when the earth was purified with the flood and the wicked were killed, the flood that's coming, man will kill by many methods that will flood out, wiping out of ways we never could have thought of 30, 40 years ago. This next clip was a clip today, March 2nd. Glenn Beck spoke of something, the WHO. World Health Organization. You're going to hear the plans to wipe out massive populations by killing them. How could that be? What you're going to hear now is a sign that this plan is in motion right now. This is a conspiracy theory. This isn't happening. No joke, folks. I'm telling you, it's like my pop used to say, don't listen to these crazies like Glenn Beck. They always will tell you things that sure turn out to be true, but they're conspiracy theories. No joke. I ain't kidding. Um, The World Health Organization and the WEF and our CDC and the Biden administration and administrations all 
over the world are just chomping at the bit to hand your sovereignty over to the WHO. Now, the WHO and the World uh, Economic Forum and all the rest of these wonderful cats, they all have uh, they've all decided that the world would be a safer place for the next pandemic, which I thought these were 100 year events. Let them worry about it in 100 years. I just <laughs> uh, for the next pandemic that could be coming at any time. Um, that the World Health Organization needs to be in charge of the entire globe's response because they had some stragglers last time, some people who disagreed with them, and they just need to be able to coordinate everything at the World Health Organization. And I think all Americans feel like if we just would have had that guy from Nigeria that was uh, in bed with China running everything here, oh, it would have been so much better. Frankly, between the two, I'll stick with Fauci. Thank you. That's saying something. Yeah. Now, let me go to Daniel Horowitz, who is the <laughs> author of The Rise of the Fourth Reich, uh, which talks a lot about uh, the fascistic uh, kind of policies from the CDC and Fauci. Um, tell me, can you point people to the evidence where they can find all of this? Because I, I know it because I've been following it, but... I also see when you search this, it's all, oh, that's just a conspiracy theory. That's not happening. You know, you know Glenn, it's, it's so funny. When Steve and I wrote The Rise of the Fourth Reich, uh, you know, we thought this would per- perhaps be over with by now. Mm. But I guess you and I have aged 100 years. We're already on to the next one. Right. So l- l- let's just zoom back and see what's going on here. We thought this is all kind of over. I mean, everyone says, you know, no one's dying from COVID anymore. We should go back to our lives. But they have ICD-10 codes to track recalcitrant people that don't want to get vaccinated. They take the COVID shots, despite everything that came out about it, they put it on the child immunization schedule. Then they work on this COVID uh, pandemic treaty or international health regulations to synchronize our response. Then we start, after we hear that the Wuhan lab indeed was the source of the virus and it is synthetic, which we always knew, well, now we have people getting bird flu in Cambodia and China that somehow that jumped to mammals and now evidently even human beings really quickly. Oh, and there's also Marburg's the hemorrhagic fever that is in Guinea-Bissau, if you could believe that. Um, They're going around spreading polio throughout Africa with this live attenuating polio virus. Oh, and then whatever happened with those bio labs in Ukraine Mm. where we were told in October 2016 they were studying surveillance and diagnostic of dangerous zoonotic diseases right. such as avian influenza and then the ceo of metabiota nathan wolf who runs those biolabs that a year later we still don't hear about what they're doing and where they stand in august 1st 2014 in time magazine he predicted well you know there's going we're going to be blindsided by these things coming around like coronavirus and other influenzas, and there's unidentified viruses in animal reservoirs, among which almost certainly is a virus that we'd have no capacity to understand. And I I think this is the important thing. A lot of people hear about Wuhan, and it's like ho-hum, it's anticlimactic. We knew that already. But what's important is... It's still going on. If this were natural, then you could say, ah, maybe these guys are just really good at their trade. What do they call it? Pandemic insurance? the PREDICT program from USAID. Man, these guys are good at what they do, predicting it. But it was synthetic. So how were they able to predict all of that? And then they have the legal structure in place. Oh, and one more thing, Glenn, I left out of the, I can't believe I forgot this, two more provisions. There's a provision in the omnibus to, you guessed it, authorize the FDA to block off-label use of therapeutics. And they're rushing Pfizer's um, RSV shot for seniors who never die from RSV and the panel of the FDA advisory board that voted seven to four to recommend it all admitted the data stinks. There's problems with Guillain-Barre. Someone even died in the GSK version of it, their trial. It's all good. Let's get this out on the market. We'll have post-surveillance, post-marketing surveillance. And you're looking at this and each element of what we all went through, the gain of function, the blocking of treatment, 
the centralized control and surveillance and the dangerous, needless therapeutics, they're not only not walking away from it, they are reloading. Oh, they are re- reloading. And the WHO is um, talking about this structure, and our State Department is about to sign this treaty. Um, and many say, I believe this to be uh, the case, that this will sign away our sovereignty on these medical issues that you'll have to fight against. I mean, the WHO doesn't have teeth yet, um, but if it ever gains teeth, you're done. And there is one state that is taking this on. And I think this is the perfect bill. This should be just cut, copied, and paste uh, and run through every state house. Um, it is a uh, bill HB 0413, and it states the United States Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the World Health Organization shall have no jurisdiction in Wyoming uh, and any requirements, mandates, recommendations, instructions or guidance provided by either organization shall not be used in this state to justify any mask, vaccine, medical testing requirements, and shall have no force or effect in Wyoming. That's fantastic. Absolutely that was fantastic. A bill I, I helped write. It was inspired. It's one of the action items in the book that Steve and I wrote that we wanted it to be forward-looking. The way to fight globalism is with localism. Yep. It, it is the fact that you need, look, we have... Republicans in control of half these state governments. It should be a no-brainer baseline view. This is a baseline. It's a pro-life issue. After everything we've been through, we must prevent any CDC or WHO public health regulations from being promulgated in the state. But I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, Glenn, you might think with a 57 to 5 Republican majority in that House, this thing would sail through. But in fact, it failed 29-32. Those are the five most... Impactful Democrats in the country. Um, They got half the Republicans and those five Democrats. And and, and let me just say this. It wasn't just this bill. We have failed to pass a single bill rectifying mass mandates, vaccine mandates, um, emergency powers, anything in the state of Wyoming and many other red states, by the way, in in, in the third third straight consecutive legislative session it is shocking i guess glenn it's got to get worse i guess it wasn't bad enough what we went through i have to tell you these red states um that just think they're safe because they've got all the we are well we're a republican state you don't understand progressivism these states have got to clean house against the republicans that are voting down freedom bills um, I'd love to have you back on, Daniel, because you're, you're just so up on all of the facts on this. I really appreciate it. What we've been talking about is a new treaty with the World Health Organization that will promote global health equity. Okay. Now, if this passes, uh, it is going to be, it'll be a death sentence if there is a pandemic for millions of Americans. The United States, if we sign on to this, will be obligated to hand over 20% of our medical supplies, including diagnostic tests, antiviral medications, and vaccines. We have to turn it over to the WHO, and they will distribute it as they see fit throughout the world. And it's Article 10 of this is it's real time. It's not, oh, we've got this vaccine you guys take care of yourself so you can make more. No, no, no. It's real time. You got something that the world needs. We take it from you right now. It's not American people or, you know, people of other countries first. This is insanity. If absolutely insanity, it's got to stop. It is a, uh, a treaty that Joe Biden is negotiating right now with the World Health Organization. We will keep you up to speed on this, but it's going to have to be approved by the Senate, and hopefully it will not pass, but they are pushing hard for this. We'll keep an eye on it. The World Health Organization is global. How come we're not hearing this is from the puppets? 
We don't hear the bishop say it, the cardinal, even the pope. Their path is nuance. We don't want to take a position. We don't want to say anything. August 15, 1985, Mariana was told by a lady, this message, my angels, pray for unbelievers. People will tear their hair. Brothers will plead with brothers. They will curse their past lives, lived without God. They will repent, but it will be too late. And then a lady says, now is the time conversion. Why is that? Because March 2nd, she says, why do you not desire to see the signs? It's all there. It's everywhere. Except the puppets. We just got to love the poor. We got to help the minorities. All the wrong things we're doing. We're not getting fed except through the Virgin Mary. That's where everything's coming from. We're getting more signs compared to the puppets or for the church with nature telling us more than they can. Our Lady said, September 25th, 2018, nature extends signs. It speaks to you. We know we are headed toward the secrets because the world is killing itself. On October 25th, 1985, our lady showed Mariana the first secret. The earth was desolate. Our lady said, it is the upheaval of the region of the world. In the world, there are so many sins. We have walked away from God. March 2nd, 2011, our lady says, she suffers tremendously. She says, I look at my children who are persistently put what is human before what is of God. At my children who, despite everything that surrounds them and despite all the signs. That's a lady saying that. That the world's population, basically, despite the signs. They see them. I don't want to pay attention to that. Despite all the sins that are sent to them, think that they can walk without my son. They cannot. This third segment is Michael Berry. He has a guest on his broadcast. And you probably know a little bit about this. But what's going to be exposed gives a sign that we are underneath the Antichrist. I was talking about the Antichrist system all the way back in the 80s. A lot of people now are saying maybe this or this, that, but they still won't come up strong. I saw it almost 40 years ago. I was in business before I cared to us. I could see things because I looked at the signs back then. A lady just started throwing up billboards now for these messages every month. All the evidence was there where we were going. No puppet in Medjugorje is talking about we're in the Antichrist system and it's here because they haven't understood the message because they're too simple. So what you're about to hear is a flood. The Chinese spy balloon brought into question something called an electromagnetic pulse. It could be the future of warfare, and we could be the victims of it. A guy who has spoken and written widely about it is our guest, Bill Fortune, coming up next. The Russians, Chinese, North Korean, estimates are that they are developing a super gamma ray burst weapon that could lay down upwards of 100,000 volts per square meter. There is no protection of the infrastructure against that. So. Here we're hardening some systems up to resist 1,000, 2,000 volts per square meter. The second part of it is, it's really scary, is that the weapon needed to do this, some people think of a huge megaton bomb. They're talking one to two kiloton, meaning about one-sixth the size of the Hiroshima bomb. 
Hiroshima bomb was 12 kiloton. We all know what it did. Guess who is testing very low yield nuclear weapons? The North Koreans in the 1 to 2K range. Are they testing for a high yield gamma burst? Well, when somebody keeps saying every two to three months that they're going to bathe us in, in nuclear fire and death, I do tend to start taking them seriously. We could be facing up to 100,000 volt per square meter lay down, very low ohm level, but still enough to totally destroy the system. Several weeks ago, I did an interview with a guest who talked about EMP. And it was really the first for me slightly deep dive into this concept that you could, and I'm going to explain it in simple terms as I understand it, but our guests will understand it much better, that you could basically knock a power grid off um, with a sound, with an explosion, with something. It, it was a level of warfare that was next generation. It was sci-fi level stuff that is real, and I didn't know it. And so after this interview, which I felt like we could have played coast-to-coast -coast music under it during the interview, it got so conspiratorial, I was shocked at my emails just being, my email box being crammed full of people saying, you need to talk to, to William Fortune, Fortune, William Fortune, who has written these books about EMP. This guy is the expert. And so I did a little digging and I said, wow, there is a whole body of work out there about something that most of us know very little about. And this is not just some kooky conspiracy stuff. It's kind of real. So uh, William Force Chin, if I'm pronouncing the name correctly, who goes by Bill. Let me start with uh, how you got involved in this whole EMP issue. And if you would, explain what EMP is to people who don't know. Okay. EMP is the, the shorthand for electromagnetic pulse weapons, which are anybody who can detonate a nuclear weapon can create an EMP. The idea is the law of the weapon up about 200 miles above uh, the Earth, set it off, and the gamma ray bursts from that weapon will cascade down to the Earth, setting up an electrostatic discharge. Now, I know this sounds tinfoil hat stuff, but I'll get to that in a second. When it hits the Earth's surface, it shorts out the electrical grid. All those millions of miles of wires we have become antenna, pick up the overload, feed it into the electrical system, and one second after, it starts blowing the whole grid off. I started working on this, uh, actually when I was back in grad school, when I witnessed a major ice storm that took the town of Lafayette, Indiana offline for weeks, not a day or two, but weeks. And it was chaotic within four or five days. An EMP strike, it hits the United States. We will be off grid for months, maybe years. And here's the scary stuff. Upwards of 90% of the population would perish within a year or two. Those are not my figures. That comes from a couple of congressional studies and the input of experts on this issue. So I've been writing about it for 15 years now. Again, electromagnetic pulse, detonated weapon, above the Earth's atmosphere, it shorts the grid out. Let's talk about how this came about. Somebody had to experiment. Somebody had to dream this up. What's the history? Was this, was this always a military application? Uh, yeah, uh, how it came about, the realization was sort of by accident. Remember those nuclear weapon tests out in Nevada in the, the 50s? And sure. That's what, that's what happens when you burst a weapon on the ground, you get the big mushroom cloud and everything else. Well, 1962, the United States decided, why don't we send one up into space and see what happens? We blew a weapon above Johnson Island, about 500 miles south of Hawaii. And guess what happened? A good part of the electrical grid in Hawaii suddenly shorted off. On the other side, the Russians did a test the same year. And people want to look them up. Our test was called Starfish Prime. 
The Russian test was 184. Same effect. It blows the system off. So what we have here is what they, in military talk, they call a uh, preemptive uh, strike weapon. Meaning, if you hit your opponent first with an EMP, it blinds him. All the electricity goes off. My big fear is a rogue player like uh, Iran, North Korea, could do it to us very easily. It is a, I feel, should be a top priority issue. We're not doing much about it in terms of defense. When you say a top priority issue, are we talking about how to prevent them from being able to undertake an EMP? Are we talking about how to prepare our systems and facilities such that if they did, it wouldn't have an effect? How, how to prepare. You, you can't stop it. If somebody, if North Korea launches a missile, blows a nuclear weapon above the United States, we're EMP'd. The only answer back is one, well, we're talking foreign policy here, but you can harden. You can harden the system with better circuit breaking systems and security systems to prevent it from being an overwhelming response, you know, disaster. But we're not doing anything about it. Not to get into politics, but the previous administration, Trump, finally started taking it very seriously. This, this going, this isn't sci-fi. This is the real thing. Shortly before the election, he commissioned DOE, DOD, and all the other places to give a report back to him in 90 days. What is it? What do we do about it? Well, guess what happened the first day of the, the Biden administration? They forgot about it. It's not a priority with them. But it is a priority. It should be a top priority. The trillion-dollar infrastructure bill, I don't see anything in there about hardening the infrastructure. Nothing. So the current administration is not paying attention to this. Let's hope it doesn't happen. Hope. That's all we got at the moment. Electromagnetic pulse something that has been on the lips of a lot of public policymakers over the last couple of months after the Chinese spy balloon. The fear being that tomorrow's war won't be fought with soldiers or even bullets and rockets, but with things like shutting down your grid. So, yes. Bill, you were, you were in the middle of a sentence about that, and uh, Newt Gingrich and others talking about this in the past, and most of us, frankly, just rolled our eyes partly because we didn't understand what was going on. I'll, I'll ask you to continue with that. Sure. I wrote the book one second. It's a fiction. It is a novel. The idea behind that book was taking a very small town, uh, my hometown in North Carolina, Black Mountain. What would happen in a small town if the electricity went off for a year? According to congressional studies, upwards of 90% of the population will be dead a year later. That, that, that sounds amazing, doesn't it? But Let's look at it this way. Do you remember Maslow's hierarchy of needs? You know, you need oxygen course, and all that. Yeah. I will call it the hierarchy of needs regarding electricity. So let's say at this moment our electricity went off, and I believe you're in Houston. Okay, I'm in Black Mountain. What's the number one thing that we need almost immediately, and we're dependent on electricity? It's water. You don't have water. What happens? So it goes like this. Water supplies are shut off because no longer, you know, nothing is pumping. So that's item one. Item two, medication. Fair percentage of our population is dependent on medication. If you can't get it because the pharmacies don't have power, what happens to them? So here it goes. Water, medication. The average town only has about 20 days worth of food on hand. At the end of those 20 days, what do you eat? And then, of course, command and control. What happens in your community? I'm not too worried here in Black Mountain, but in Houston, suppose the entire grid went off. What would happen with the populace within a day or two? It would be chaos. So thus it goes, and people will start dying in great numbers within a matter of days. I mean, okay, I'll ask you the question. Where do you get your water? I'm on a municipal water supply. Okay, and if that shuts off, then what do you do? There you go. Uh, I mean, we, we, I'm about, right there. I'm about half prepper, 
So we've got, mm-hmm. you know, a few months. But, but you know, I, I was the mayor pro tem of the city of Houston. I can tell you that that is a crisis that is horrifying for the fourth largest city because there are not provisions in place to provide for this. Do you remember Sandy in 2012 uh, hitting New York City? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, within a day or so, people are lined up around the block at McDonald's. I'll give you a $100 bill if you give me some burgers. Response, nothing's working. I can't even cook the burgers. Yep. So I multiply that out. You want to go get gas if your car still works. How do the pumps work? How does this work? How does that work? All these things cascade together. Now, the scary part of it is in replacing our infrastructure, meaning our electrical supply. You take those large transformers you see, those big three, 400-ton transformers. You know how vulnerable they are? You can just hit it with a rifle shot and mess it up. But let's say, okay, just one city, Houston, loses a couple of big transformers. Where do you get them from? Well, you have to order from China, our great friend. It takes two years before one is delivered. So if all that goes, how do we fix it? We can't. We just simply cannot. A DOE study, Department of Energy, indicated that of the 500 major uh, distribution, meaning production electricity centers, five years after the event, most of them would still be offline. What happens at nuclear power plants? Lose your electricity. They have backup for oil, you know, to at least cool the pile and the waste. But when that oil runs out, Guess what happens to our nuke plants? This is a nightmare scenario of the worst kind. And I have to emphasize, it's not science fiction. When we talk about EMP, this electromagnetic mm-hmm. pulse, the, um, that you're talking about being used as sort of a tool of war to incapacitate yes. our electrical grid, for instance, who currently has the capability to do this and on what scale? Anybody... Any nation that has nuclear weapons can generate an EMP. Now, the scary part of that is, uh, how old are you, Michael? 52. Okay. So you do remember the Cold War of the 70s and 80s. And we would look at the Russians. If you do us, we'll do you. So it's a no-win situation. But in today's world, for example, China could hand off a couple of small nukes and a missile Send it to North Korea, Iran, or even uh, terrorist states. They blow it off. We go off grid, and the Chinese just stand there and say, oh, gee, I don't know what happened. Not us. Too late. We're already dead. Uh, You know, World War II with Japan started because of a whole new idea. Put a bunch of planes on carriers and hit your enemy. Nobody had ever done it before. Well, the next war with an asymmetrical first strike would be first step, EMP your opponent to blind him and shut his grid down and go from there. Is this something we have seen put into effect or is it something we fear because it's possible? I mean, how much of this is currently, how much proof of concept have we witnessed? Well, the proof of concept is there. Uh, Again, there were tests prior to 1963 and the test ban treaty, where both we and the Russians, as I mentioned, did loft a weapon up into space, sped it off, and kaboom, there was an EMP. There have not been, of course, any direct tests since. But it's there. They all, it's a, the scientific term for it is called the Compton, E-O-M-P-T-O-N, the Compton effect. The nuclear weapon sets off the Compton effect which then is destructive. One, uh, one example I like to point out, we all remember Captain Sully, you know, 2009. Of course. In a plane in the Even though he lost his engines, he still had the computers on his plane. They still functioned. So he was still able to fly it. In the first minutes of an EMP strike, there's over 2,000 aircraft aloft over the United States. A significant number of them, with their computers blowing offline, you've got a brick. All they can do is sit there and say a couple of Hail Marys before the plane hits the ground. A couple hundred thousand people would die in the first minute. Or what happens in nursing homes? Three days with nothing. 
what chaos would that be at the end of three days? Walk me through, let's say the Chinese, who you have to figure would have better capability than the Iranis or the North Koreans. Yeah. Let's say they undertook uh, an EMP attack on the United States. Logistically, to get a scale where you could incapacitate, if not the entire country, much of the grid, are we talking about those weather balloons? What, what would be the delivery mechanism, and what exactly would be happening? Okay. The weather balloons, yeah, I, I've been seeing articles saying, well, gee, the Chinese could have put a nuclear weapon on it. It's not going to work. You're not going to loft a nuclear weapon for its first strike onto a balloon or even half a dozen balloons. It would have to be almost undoubtedly a missile strike. But here's the key thing. For example, put them on some container ships. Have a third world player doing it. North Korea, ISIS, whatever. In, in my book, One Second After, I put a couple of container ships about 300 miles off the coast of the United States. They launch the missile. Five minutes later, it detonates. The key thing is three small nuclear weapons would deal a devastating blow. We're talking weapons about three times larger than a Hiroshima bomb, about 45 to 50 kiloton. They weigh 30 to 50 pounds. It would not take much at all. The only thing I think why it's not happening is we at least would have a counterforce argument that if you do it, we'll do it to you. But the third world player types, what do we do in response? Let's say North Korea did it. What do we do in response? Nuke them? Is that going to change what happens? Because here in the United States, people are dying by the tens of millions within a matter of weeks. Not viable. If you were aware that an EMP attack is impending, uh, let's say your intelligence informed you this, someone leaked it, some, would the answer simply be to shoot down the delivery mechanism? Ah, <laughs> I wish. The only anti-ballistic missile systems we have currently are on the West Coast, mostly in Alaska, about 40 to 50 missiles that could maybe shoot down an incoming. But on the Gulf of Mexico, zero defensive systems. East Coast, zero defensive. There's no defense. The only potential response is to have such good military intelligence and a very vigorous response that says in the clear, I would love to see an administration that says in the clear, if you even think about using an EMP, we will retaliate. It's not worth it. But we seem to be drifting of late. That's rather encouragement to some bad players, isn't it? It certainly is. And do you think that America ranks atop the list among the list of those who have developed an electromagnetic pulse EMP attack capability at present? No. Uh, you know who most likely has the top one? Starting around 2000, 2005, China went kind of dark on its uh, research regarding this. There are unclassified reports that China has worked aggressively to enhance the capability of a nuclear weapon to trigger the Compton Effect EMP. I think we're behind in research there. But yes, anybody who has a nuclear weapon could do it. So there's half a dozen players there. But yet again, for example, when Ukraine got its independence, Ukraine had 500 nuclear weapons inside its territory, part of the old Soviet Union. They agreed to give them up with the treaty that the United States would always guarantee the existence of Ukraine. Well, we haven't done that. But there's indications that some of those weapons disappeared. They weren't deactivated. They disappeared. Uh, again, unclassified. But, you know, you, you hear the rumors. 
there are more than a few nukes out there that nobody knows where they are. It's like the old thing of a group of thieves. One person steals it, then he passes it quick to another guy and another guy and another guy, and then the, the third or fourth person runs off with the goods. And nobody knows. Well, and when you, when you consider how many rogue nations, uh, I read a mm -hmm. report on the Somali pirates who took Captain Phillips in, uh, in the uh, takeover of the Maersk, Alabama, that ended up making the, 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 the movie. They got their guns from the Yemenis, and they had paid between 35 and $125 per AK. And, and you think what, what you could do with a weapon like that for that cheap and that the Yemenis don't have a lot to export, but AKs are one thing that they do. In that whole world of trafficking of illicit weapons and, and the tools necessary to, to cause harm, some of those rogue nations, that's all they have. They can't manufacture vehicles that would be purchased abroad. They can't manufacture, you know, uh, medicines or, or airplanes. The, the tools of war is what they have. And, and that whole um, world, that whole underground and the guys who, who go between in those countries, that's their economy. Bill Fortune, you're great. Thanks for being our guest. Our lady said August 25th, 1993. A message that tells us this is a biblical moment. How do we know that? 100%. Because she says it. And that message, she says, read sacred scriptures, live it, and pray to understand the signs of the times. This is a special time. A lady is misleading you if she's not speaking about Revelation chapter 12, when she said, read sacred scriptures to understand these signs you're seeing. How many people have thought about what it would be like in Jesus' time? This is that. She preceded him then, 2,000 years ago, and she is preceding him now, who? The woman Revelation is chapter 12. It is there. Cowardly, the church, its members, will not say that. The first secret, going back to Mariana, it is the upheaval of a region of the world. In the world, there are so many sins. And then he says about herself, what can I do if you do not help me? Remember that I love you. God does not have a hard heart. Look around and see what men do. Then you will no longer say that God has a hard heart. How many people come to church, to the house of God, with respect, a strong faith, and love of God? Very few, she says. Here you have a time of grace and conversion. It is necessary to use it well. EMP is not a theory. It's a reality. Is it going to happen? I think he's here for something. May 2nd, 2016, our lady gave a strange message. I invite you, my children, to observe well the signs of the times to gather the shattered crosses. Is that all the dead? What does she mean? And then she adds this, and to be apostles of revelation. What does that mean? I've already quoted what she said. Read sacred scriptures. And I'll end with one message. For those of you who have gone to Medjugorje, who love Our Lady, and you're not propagating these messages. Full-time, with all your life, April 2nd, 2006, you ask yourself if you are following me. A question. Then she says, My children, do you not recognize the signs of the times?
That's the second question. And she has a third question. After she says, My children, do you not recognize the signs of the times? Question. And then she says, Do you not speak of them? I leave you this to contemplate and replay this broadcast. There's a lot of things said. We need your help. We have a program to speak about these messages, to propagate them, to print them, put them on the radios, billboards, everywhere. It's the people who support this mission, Project 50, who donate $50 a month. We need about two to 300 more people to add to that so we can be ready of all those people who tear their hair out. One more last thing. We started at Pilgrimage's back beginning in May to Medjugorje. Nobody goes the way the way we go. We're the number one all the way from 1986, taking over 10,000 people, and we expose things about Medjugorje than any other way you can go. Time is getting shorter and shorter to go to Medjugorje. You'll never regret it. And if you don't, you will regret. Call Caritas for BVM Pilgrimages. We're giving you a lot to think about and to get active. And if you can't speak about them yourselves, you can through the Project 50. That's what we do. Our life is about that. February 25th, 1988. Sacrifice your life for the salvation of the world. Be a part of that. We wish you, Our Lady. We love you. Good night.